Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. As the kids are leaving, I just want to invite us to stand right now. And I, I want to invite us to honor the close to 70 million babies that never got a chance to see light. Um, I know that there was a trend of a black screen going around on social media a couple years ago. And I feel like this is the black screen. Meaning the babies only saw darkness. They never saw light. Close to 70 million. They never had a chance to go to kids' church, to skin their knee, to have a milkshake. Um, and I just feel, you know, we have Memorial Day in America for the ones who lost their lives serving our country. And I just feel a, a new Memorial Day for the ones who did lose their lives in the womb. And I know, I know that I know that the babies were rejoicing in heaven on Friday. They were celebrating. They were thanking many of you in this room. They will thank you when you get to heaven. They're going to say thank you for your prayers. I would guess 98% of the people in this room, maybe everyone in this room, at least one time has prayed for the babies or given to a resource center. And there are probably many in this room or some who may have even had an abortion in, in their early life. There's healing for you. There is healing. God completely forgives you. 1,000%. And so, but let's honor the babies right now with a black screen because this is what, this is the only thing they ever saw before they got to see Jesus. So let's honor them for a few moments in silence. You can be seated. Thank you. The title of today's message is The Beauty of God's People, The Beauty of Us. Seeing and valuing ourselves in the light of God's enjoyment of us. I know at the end of today, for those of you who will be listening, listening, listening with open hearts, you're going to see yourselves in a brighter, better light, and you're going to feel God's enjoyment of you as his inheritance. This morning, we're going to look at what the Bible says about the beauty of God's people. God's people being defined as those unique covenant people who have come to him and will come to him through Jesus. Come to the Father through Jesus, through love, through faith, through obedience to Jesus. And we're going to meditate on the startling scriptures that give heaven's perspective and opinion of us, of the people on earth who are destined for heaven. We're going to consider verses that demonstrate this one life-changing reality. God actually enjoys us. God, the Father, actually likes spending time with us. God really thinks we are beautiful, valuable, and worthy of eternal communion and relationship with himself. Now, because we're beautiful and enjoyable to him, like I said, just now, it's clear that he genuinely desires to spend time with us. 
He has provided, Marissa sang it earlier, and thank God for it. He has provided a 24-7 open-door policy for us to access the most intimate places of his heart in this life and in the age to come. He is so enamored with us that he never wants us to leave his house. Most people, we want them to leave our house after about two or three, four hours. That's true. There's some people who are like, you can stay. God never wants us to leave his house. He's never got another meeting that he's looking to get to. That's how enamored he is with us. <laughs> we are beautiful to him. We're his rose. We are his treasure. We are his crown and his glory. Now, why is knowing and experiencing how beautiful we are to God so vital and crucial for our Christian life? Why is it so important to know how much he enjoys us? What's the big deal that God makes a big deal of us? I'm going to give us four reasons why this subject and biblical theme is so important to lay hold of and meditate on in our daily walk. The first benefit to laying hold of this truth that God likes us is that our deepest heart longing and desire as humans is met when we realize this. Our deepest desire and heart longing as humans is to be loved, accepted, and enjoyed. We want to be liked, most of all, deepest down in our hearts. Now, if we know and experience that God himself sees us and accepts us as beautiful and enjoyable, we get that longing met perfectly by the only perfect being with perfect love and perfect motives. Think about it. If we boil down most all of human activity, the deepest desire of that activity is to produce a result that would make us more liked and loved by others. Think about most things that we do, it's to, to get people to like us. Most of human activity is geared toward this. Think about it. The entire beauty industry is geared toward this. The entire fitness industry, the entire social media platform, and so many other things are geared toward this because it's our deepest innate longing that God put in there. But guess what? He gets to meet it with himself. If we allow the Bible to settle this fact in our hearts that we right now are supremely enjoyed right now, and we're considered pleasing and desirable to this beautiful God, we get that desire met. This fact will settle our hearts. It can prevent us from striving so hard to get other people to like us. We don't have to strive so hard. We're already liked and enjoyed, and from that place, we can love and serve others rightly. Second reason why it's important and crucial to lay hold of these truths that God enjoys us and that we're beautiful to him is that it gives us confidence and boldness to approach his throne, that open-door policy, it gives us confidence and boldness to spend more time with him. Think about it in terms of human-to-human dynamics, relational dynamics. We love to spend time with people who like us. We have no problem entering a home or an office with a family or a boss who really enjoys us, who really likes us, who's complimentary of us. We choose to spend most of our time with people who already think we're awesome. That's true. But the opposite is true, too. It's really uncomfortable and awkward to be around people who we know don't really like us and don't enjoy spending time with us. If we are stuck in situations with other people who think we're off or lame or pitiful, we can feel that. And often we desire to get out of that room as, as quickly as possible. Well, let's take this analogy back to God. If we see in the scripture how the God of the universe sees and values us so favorably and in such glowingly positive terms, we will be much more likely to spend more time with him. It's simple logic. 
It's a directly proportional relationship. The more we know and experience that we are indeed beautiful in his eyes, even as we're stumbling and struggling and doubt and sin, in the sanctification process, we're lovely to him. The more we grasp this and get this, the more likely likely it is that we're going to run to him in our weakness in times of need instead of from him. But if we believe that the God of the universe is mostly mad and disappointed and just wait until we get it together, we're probably not going to run to him. We're going to isolate in our times of weakness and greatest need. So again, these truths of how desirable we are to God produce real confidence and boldness to approach God and spend more time with him, especially in our times of need when we've blown it. The third reason to why experiencing our beauty in the eyes of God is so beneficial is this reality causes us to fulfill the second commandment much better. What is the second commandment? Jesus defined the second great commandment that we would love others as we love ourselves. We can rightly exposit from this verse that we can only love other people to the extent that we love and value ourselves. It's a directly proportional relationship again. If we see how beautiful and valuable we ourselves are, we will love and value and treasure others that much more. Because this revelation of our beauty and value is Holy Spirit inspired, it's from the Bible, from God, we don't have to worry that we're gonna get into pride because it's not world inspired. It's not gonna lead us to arrogance and selfishness. No, because it's biblical and true, This revelation will lead to an increase of selfless love and value for everyone around us. We see this modeled in John 13 by Jesus himself. Jesus, John 13, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, what did he do then? He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which we, with which he was girded. I have the KIV up here, the next verse. That's the, my version. Obviously, it's not a real version. I'm not heretical here. But this is how I see this verse. Jesus, knowing that he was fully loved, enjoyed, and accepted by the Father, knowing this reality, what did he do then? Did he get prideful? No, he served. He took the lowest place. Jesus, knowing that he was the definition of consummate beauty and fully desired by the Father, he was perfect in his Father's eyes. Knowing this reality, he washed feet. So that's the third benefit of experiencing how beautiful we are to God. We love others better. We fulfill the second commandment better. Fourth reason to why experiencing our beauty and value in God's eyes is beneficial It's the only way to walk in true humility. True humility. What is true humility? It's saying the same thing that God says about himself, us, and others. That's humility. Confession in the Bible literally means to say the same as. Confession equals say the same as. So true humility is confessing God's opinion of us, himself, and others. True humility is agreeing with God's evaluation, not more, not less. Saying more than God says is pride, and saying less is false humility, which is also pride. There are two ditches on either side of the highway of God's opinion of you. Two ditches on either side of the highway of his opinion. Both are rooted in pride. 
to say we are lowly, despicable, dirty, ugly, wretched, hopeless sinners. That's to disagree with all the verses I'm about to tell y'all that paint an entirely different picture of even the weak, struggling saint. Seeing how God sees us and values us in shockingly positive biblical terms helps us to avoid that pitfall of false humility and the demonically inspired low self-esteem that goes along with it. So, recap, before we jump in, the four benefits to growing in the knowledge and experience of God's beautiful opinion of us. First, our deepest desire is met. We are loved and accepted and enjoyed by God. Second, we have increased boldness to run to God in our weakness and frailty because he delights in us. Third, we have an increased ability to fulfill the second commandment by loving and valuing others more. Fourth, we have an increased ability to walk in true humility by believing and agreeing with God's high opinion of us. So right now, let's avail ourselves of these four benefits by actually peering into and meditating on some of the biblical descriptions of the beauty of God's people. Let's help ourselves out by opening the eyes of our hearts to the scriptural basis of God's enjoyment and value of us. I'm going to pray for us. And in worship, I... I felt this phrase that as we look at these scriptures, we are going to drink of the river of God's pleasure of us. We're going to drink of the river of God's pleasure for us. So let's open our mouths, open our hearts, and drink of the river of God's pleasure for us. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, I ask that you would send the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of yourself. Lord, that you would open our eyes to the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us. Lord, show us how you see us. Show us how you value us. Show us how beautiful we are in your eyes, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the first category of verses we're gonna look at are sovereign markings of beauty by God himself. This is beauty that was bestowed upon us by the free grace of God when we were utterly helpless and unable to do anything right. Sovereign markings of beauty by God himself. Genesis 1, one of the most famous ones, 127. So God created man, every single human, in his own image and likeness. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God saw what he made, and indeed it was very good to him. That Hebrew word very good can also mean beautiful or precious. God himself is endlessly and indescribably beautiful. My whole last message last month was about this subject, the beauty of God himself. So when the Bible says that we were made in his image and likeness, it's telling us by implication that we were made with inherent qualities of beauty and majesty. Every human, inside and out. Also, God called, I just said, his created order very good, which means beautiful and precious. This is us. Psalm 139 goes further on this. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. You're marvelous. You're wonderful. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully, 
Look at that word skillfully, wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. How precious, how beautiful, how valuable are your thoughts towards me? That's what it says, oh God. How great is the sum of them. His thoughts for you outnumber the grains of sand on all the seashores of the earth. (laughs) Our Father in heaven thoughtfully and skillfully knitted us in our mother's wombs. And our perfectly beautiful God does not make junk. We were fashioned and formed with great care and wonder. (laughs) We were created as marvelous masterpieces. That's what it says in Ephesians 2.10. You are a poem, a masterpiece created by God himself. By the hands of the master carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. He knows how to work with his hands. He did a beautiful job with every single one of you in this room. Now let's see what Jesus himself says about our inherent value and beauty. Matthew 13, one of my favorite parables, maybe my favorite. It's simple, it's two verses, but it'll blow us away. Matthew 13, again, the words of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought this one pearl. Now, in this parable, you can look at it a couple ways, but the way we're looking at it this morning is Jesus is the merchant in this, in this story, this parable. The one soul, or the one pearl of great price is one human soul. The price, what is it? It's all of heaven's riches and resources, and ultimately, it's the very life and blood of Jesus himself. That's the price for one human soul. My hero and favorite Bible teacher, Derek Prince, said this about this parable. He said, It is my personal conviction that the greatest wonder of all God's creative achievement is expressed in human personality. Jesus taught that one human soul is worth more than the entire world put together. I believe that this is a true objective evaluation. The whole created universe in all of its grandeur and greatness is of less intrinsic worth than one human personality. (laughs) talk about self-worth, right? You, I, all of us are the pearl of great price to God. I want us all to confess that, to say the same thing that the Bible says. I am a pearl of great price. Let's say that out of our mouths. I am a pearl of great price. (laughs) And because Jesus values people this much, He goes to extreme lengths to rescue us from Satan and our own sin and our own agreements with darkness. And that's where this fourth description of a sovereign marking of beauty comes in. And just a heads up, guys, this description contains visceral and authentic language to describe our plight before salvation and our commensurate commensurate meteoric rise to the very beauty of God afterwards, after his sovereign grace touched us. Okay? This is an analogy, it's a story, it's a metaphor for our lives before salvation and after. It's from Ezekiel 16. It's one of Paul's favorite passages, Paul Norris. Ezekiel 16. So think of your story in light of this. And you're the baby in this story. Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. No eye pitied you, 
to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. But you were thrown out into an open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you, this is the Lord, when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, this is all of us in our deepest, darkest sin before Jesus, struggling in our own blood, I said to you in your blood, when you were utterly helpless, live, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. And then what did he do? I made you thrive like a plant in the field. You grew, you matured, and became very beautiful. When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered you in your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. Then I washed you in water. Here's the sanctification, the beautification process of the Lord in our lives. I washed you with water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood, and I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. Those are cool shoes. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. (laughs) I adorned or beautified you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate pastry of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. This is all of our story. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor, which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord God. (laughs) Our beauty was perfect through his splendor, which he bestowed upon us when we were utterly helpless This right here, guys, is an allegorical description of each one of our salvation stories. (laughs) I encourage you to meditate on it later. Once we were utterly helpless like a newborn baby alone in a field. We could do nothing for ourselves, spiritually dead and wallowing in our own blood. But then God arrived into our lives and beautified us to an unthinkable level. This was beauty that was bestowed upon us by God himself and beauty that made us perfect through his splendor. Psalm 45 further describes our great attractiveness to God based on his sovereign saving work. We have become attractive to God. We are attractive to him. Psalm 45, listen, O daughter, we're all the daughters, we're the bride of Christ, we're the daughter. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. Forget your former way of life. So the king, verse 11, the king of kings, the beautiful king Jesus in heaven, will what? He will greatly desire your beauty. (laughs) Because he is your Lord, worship him. Verse 12, and the daughter of Tyre, these are other people in the earth, they will come with a gift to you. The rich among the people will seek your favor because God has beautified you. They're gonna seek your face because he's made you so beautiful. 13, the royal daughter. This is the bride of Christ. This is each one of our stories. The royal daughter is what? All glorious. We are all glorious within the palace. Our clothing is woven with gold. We will be brought to the king in robes of many colors. (laughs) Because we have been beautified by the blood of Jesus, it's the only way to beauty, is his blood. 
We are greatly desirable to the King of kings in heaven. We are all glorious within the palace of his presence. We are all glorious within the palace of his presence. We have golden or divine threads woven throughout our being by the Holy Spirit's infilling. Golden scripture speaks of the divine. This is what our clothing is made of. We are the multifaceted or multicolored expression of the Godhead. And we are God's favorite ones. <laughs> Evidenced by this robe of many colors that he has adorned us with. Just like the favorite son, Joseph, was the only one who got that rainbow-colored coat, right? That's us. We're the favorite ones. <laughs> We're all Joseph through Jesus' blood. That's wild. <laughs> Back then, you only got one favorite son. Now you can get billions, right? Forever comes to Jesus. Isaiah 62 the Gentiles shall see with their eyes your righteousness, and all kings will see your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be, this is our identity, a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. Do you know you're a crown of glory in God's very hand? You shall be called by a new name, with which the mouth of the Lord will name. I just read that. You shall be a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken. This is our not, that's our old name, forsaken. God had turned his face away. Nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate. But you shall be called Hepzibah, which means my delight is in you. This is our new name. His delight, his pleasure is in us. And your land shall be given a new name too. I think Texas is being given a new name too by choosing life. Your land shall be named Beulah, which is Hebrew for married. Our land will be married to the Lord. For why? The Lord delights in you. He desires you. He takes pleasure in you. And your land shall be married. Verse 5, as the bridegroom, get this picture. Everyone close your eyes. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride on the day of the wedding, so shall your God rejoice. Dance and spin and sing wildly over you. <laughs> Isaiah 62, guys, is our new identity. It's our new name. Because of Jesus, we are completely new creatures. A new species, that's what the Greek word means. A new species of glorious light and beauty bearers. Isaiah 62 encapsulates all of the people of God's legal standing and legal identity as crowns of glory, royal diadems in the very hand of God himself. This is our new story. Those of you on social media, this is your new profile picture and your new name. Now, guys, I know reality. <laughs> I live in the same broken, jacked up, demon-infested world that you guys do. I know by personal experience that my living experiential condition might not always measure up or feel like these verses that we just read and got encouraged by. And given the season of our Christian walk, we might not indeed ourselves be living up to our true new identity. And that's where the second category of verses comes in. The second category of verses that we're going to close with today outlines certain conditions. Everyone say conditions. That we, as the people of God, are invited to meet. We're invited to meet certain conditions in order to what? To experientially grow in beauty. To become what we already are. 
That's the whole sanctification process of the believer. John Piper says it this way. The whole Christian life is becoming what we already are. (laughs) We already are legally all those verses we just looked at. But the whole Christian life, the whole holiness process is becoming what we already are. Becoming the very beauty of God himself. When on the day Jesus comes back, when the world looks at Jesus and looks at us, there's going to be no difference. He's going to have an equally yoked bride that is as beautiful as him. That's staggering. Now, we just saw there's sovereign markings of beauty that God bestows upon us freely when we don't deserve it. And then there are conditional promises of beauty that we grow in as we obey Jesus, as we cooperate and co-labor with the Spirit's work in our lives and meet those required scriptural conditions. Does that make sense? And this also brings out the the fact that God loves, we just sang about his love, rightly so. We could sing about it forever. We will sing about it forever. God's love for every single believer from the brand new one second old Christian to the 99-year-old Billy Graham before he died, every single believer is perfectly, completely loved and accepted by God the same. His love is the exact same for every believer. But his enjoyment or his pleasure in every believer is different based on our sanctification, based on the obedience, based on what we're saying yes to. Does that make sense? Every believer is loved the exact same, but not every believer is enjoyed the same by God. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, or we can bring him great pleasure and delight. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to look at to close. We're going to look at a few verses and actually four ways that we get to grow in beauty. We, there are four simple ways. And my heart as a pastor for each one of you is that you would grow in beauty. That's my deepest desire for each one of you. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15 right now. My deepest desire for each one of you is that you would shine brilliantly and brightly forever. You would shine in this life and in the age to come to the brightest extent that you possibly can. 1 Corinthians 15 teaches us not every believer will shine with the same degree of brilliance and brightness and beauty. There will be different degrees of brightness and beauty and brilliance forever that you will shine with based on your obedience to Jesus in this life. We're all gonna shine with different degrees of glory, but my heart as a pastor, I want everyone to be on the front lines of brilliance. You know, every single star in the universe, this is what this verse says, shines with a different degree of brightness. That's, he says, Paul says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Every believer, there will be an order of brightness. And there, I'm going to give you guys four ways to grow in brightness. Because it's not just about this 70, 80, 90 years. It's about billions. And every act of obedience, every cup of cold water you give in the name of the Lord, he remembers forever and you get a higher degree of brilliance. There really are retur- eternal rewards, and that's what we're shifting into. That none of these earn you salvation, but they do earn you enjoyment of the Father. They do. He gets more pleased from your life when you obey him and live out these four things. First way to grow in beauty and brightness forever and in this life. <laughs> but it's really more about the billions of years than this puny 80. It really is. 
We gotta get that as believers. We gotta get that. We gotta live for eternity. Not these silly 70, 80 years. I mean, they're not silly because they count forever. (laughs) But we gotta get that. First way we grow in beauty. We become brighter and more enjoy. Think about it. When we grow in beauty, we grow in enjoyment towards the Father. The Father enjoys us more. Okay? He likes us. He likes us, but he can like us more. Okay. First way is to grow in humility and holiness. Everyone say humility and holiness. Okay. Holiness is a synonym for purity. Pure thoughts, pure actions, pure motives. James 4.6, famous verse. God resists the proud. He's not attracted to them, but he gives grace to the humble. (laughs) Grace is another word for, for beauty or power. Grace can mean beauty and power. He is attracted to the humble. That means they're, they're more beautiful to him. The more you grow in humility, the lower you go, the more beautiful you get. That's scriptural right there. Don't argue with me, argue with God. The humble are attractive to God. They attract real growth in power, grace, and beauty. The humble are beautiful to him. And again, to become truly humble, we must believe and accept what God says about us, his high opinion of us. 1 Peter 3, God actually defines true beauty here. You know what he defines it as? Having a humble heart. (laughs) A gentle, meek, humble, and quiet spirit. That is incorruptible beauty. Look at the verse. Let your beauty be the hidden person of your heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle, meek, humble, and quiet spirit, which is very precious, very valuable and desirable in the sight of God. And we humble ourselves as believers. We choose to go low. God can humble us. It's usually more painful when he does it that way, but we can humble ourselves. We can choose to go low. Ask him for wisdom on how to choose humility. He'll give it to you. Purity and holiness. Psalm, 90, or Psalm 29 verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in what? The beauty of holiness. So these terms are synonymous. Holiness and purity is synonymous with beauty to God. We must seek to grow in purity. Let's fight for purity of thought and action. Let's fight. Put in the measures that we need to to stay pure as men and women, with our eyes, with where we look, upon the other gender, right? Let us fight for purity in the motives behind all of our actions too. For in so doing, guess what? You're gonna grow in beauty as you become more pure in the eyes of the Lord. Philippians 2 also tells us, if we avoid grumbling and complaining with our mouths, Basically, if we have pure mouths, pure speech, we don't use our mouths to speak ugly, complaining, disputing, arguing things, guess what? We shine as lights in the world. So the degree that our mouths are pure, meaning we don't grumble, complain when things don't go our way, we don't dispute or argue with others, we choose to speak life, and we have grace upon our lips, that beautifies our whole being. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man. So our words can defile us or they can beautify us. So let's speak life. Let's throw away complaining. You're probably going to have, you may have an undesirable thing happen later today because we live in a jacked up world. Don't complain about it. 
The less you complain, the more you shine. That's what this verse says. <laughs> Last thing on purity. Matthew 5.8, Jesus says this, blessed are the pure in heart. Why are they blessed? For they shall see God. I have found this singular verse, the greatest motivation in my heart for growth and purity. Does it get any better than seeing God? Growth and purity and holiness of heart sets us up to see God more clearly, which ultimately sets us up for the second way that we grow in beauty, which is by gazing, everyone say gazing, or looking at God with the eyes of our heart through prayer, worship, the Bible, and communion. Four prescribed ways to look at God. Prayer, worship, Bible, communion. Every single believer has supernatural eyes in your heart. Look down at your chest. You got eyes in that heart that have the ability to look at God through those God-appointed disciplines I just said. We'll see here from the Bible that we become what we behold. What we look at is what we turn into. Who's ever seen someone with their dog where they look like their dog? That's probably because they're looking at their dog all day. Sorry, that might have been a dig. On, I, don't, I don't think of anyone in here. As we behold beauty, guys, <laughs> as we behold beauty, we ourselves become more beautiful, <laughs> more pleasing. Don't send me pictures of people who look like their dog later. <laughs> Actually, maybe do. All right, as we behold beauty, we ourselves become more beautiful, more pleasing, more attractive to God. The more time we spend looking at him through prayer, worship, the Bible, and communion, the more beautiful we're going to be. Psalm 35, don't believe me, believe the Bible. Psalm 35, Psalm 34, 5, they looked to him towards God with the eyes of their heart and were radiant. No one can argue that radiant means beautiful. My wife is pregnant right now. Even if she wasn't pregnant, she'd be the most radiant person in the room, but she is glowing extra right now. Like I looked at her, I was like, golly, you're radiant. And that's just in the outward. But to, to God's eyes, we become radiant as we look at him. We really do. 2 Corinthians 3.18 hammers it like with great detail. But we all, everyone say we all, with unveiled face, meaning there's nothing in between us and God, Beholding as in a mirror, what? The glory of the Lord, the splendor, the brightness, the excellence, the magnificence, the grace of the Lord. As we look at that through the eyes of faith, we are being transformed. That means made different into the same image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's look at the Lord through the Bible, through prayer, through worship and communion and so become increasingly glorious in his eyes. Communion. John 6, 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. We have no life in us unless we, take, unless we behold the Lord through communion. Beholding and remembering the slain lamb in communion makes us grow in physical health and in our soul's beauty before the Lord. His flesh, his body is for our physical health and his blood is for our emotional, our soul health. We receive true joy in our innermost being from his blood. We receive real physical health from his body. That's what he gave it to us for. He gave it to us as medicine to get healthy 
inside and out, and get more beautiful inside and out. Look at this verse in Zechariah 9. The Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people. For they, the people of God, you and me, shall be like the jewels of a crown, lifted like a banner over his land. For how great is their goodness. God is praising us right here. How great is their goodness and how great their beauty. Grain shall make the young men thrive. Do you see communion in that last part? Grain shall make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. It's clear from these Zechariah verses that Jesus wants to show us off like an engagement ring, like rare jewels, and wave us like a banner of beauty for the whole universe to see. And that last part of verse 17 shows us how we grow and thrive in this great goodness and great beauty. It's by taking of the grain, the bread of his flesh, and of the new wine of his blood. Our flesh flourishes as we take it in faith, take his body in faith, and our souls, our emotions get filled with joy as we drink his blood. Marissa, you can come up with worship team. Third way to grow in beauty, we have a chance at 2.30 this afternoon to grow in beauty, evangelism. Taking an active part in the Great Commission actually causes us to grow in beauty. It makes us shine brighter each time we step out in faith and share the good news of Jesus with lost people. I'll show you from the scripture this is true. Isaiah 51.7. It's a famous verse in Romans, but it came from Isaiah 51. Look at this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet. Everyone look at your feet. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now keep looking at your feet. Not everyone's feet are on the same level of beauty to God. The level of the beauty of our feet is conditional on our obedience to the Great Commission. The beauty of our feet grows as we obey this verse and all the verses where Jesus commands us to do the work of evangelist. The people who have the most beautiful feet in this room are the ones who consistently bring the good news of Jesus with those feet to the lost and hurting. Beautiful feet belongs to the one who proclaimed peace to others that only the blood of Jesus can bring. And at the end of this verse, beautiful feet belong to the ones who unashamedly support God's heart for the Jewish people in Zion and seek to win Jewish souls back to our Father in heaven through the cross of Christ. All of us have a chance today to grow in beauty in our feet towards God. God's going to look at our feet and we're, they're going to be more beautiful today because we shared the gospel. So I invite you to come out at 2.30, pray, and then go with us to go obey Isaiah 51.7 and all the verses that Jesus commanded us to do this. Now you might not be able to make it at 2.30, that's okay, but live a lifestyle of evangelism because guess what? Every person you witness to, your degree of brightness just got greater. That's not the primary reason we do it. We do it because we obey and we love God, but that's a good benefit. It really is. Your feet are going to get brighter. The last way we grow in beauty is through Holy Spirit-inspired fasting. Everyone say fasting. <laughs> fasting with prayer causes us to exponentially grow in holiness and beauty before the Lord. Fasting expedites the sanctification process of the believer like few things can. Daniel 1, 
Don't believe me? Believe Daniel. Daniel 1, but Daniel purposed in his heart. Everyone say, purposed in your heart. That he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine with which he drank. He was going to withstand from the fancy meat and the fancy wine. Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, their features, his physical features, appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Daniel's actual physical appearance was improved and beautified because he chose a Holy Spirit-inspired fast and denied to take part in the Babylonian ways and culture. But it wasn't just physical effects. Daniel 10, maybe my favorite verse on fasting. Daniel 10, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning and fasting three full weeks. He said, I ate no pleasant foods. That word pleasant, it's gonna be key in a moment. It means desirable, beautiful, or delightful. I ate no pleasant foods. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Verse 11, and he, the mighty angel, broke in to Daniel's room and said to him, Oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved of God. That word for greatly beloved was the same word for the desirable foods that he withheld. Same Hebrew word. He said, understand the words that I speak to you. Daniel purposefully withheld from pleasant or desirable or beautiful or delightful foods, and consequently, he became that very same reality to God. The same Hebrew word describing the food that Daniel gave up was the same Hebrew word that God described him as in his sight, Hamad. Daniel gave up Hamad foods or desirable, beautiful foods, and therefore he became Hamad to God. He became that much more desirable and beautiful and delightful. Daniel grew in beauty and became more desirable and delightful and pleasing in God's eyes because of his resolute obedience and adherence to this Holy Spirit-inspired lifestyle of fasting and prayer, and we can too. Let's stand to our feet right now and respond. Those four ways, we'll go over them. You take a picture of them when they're on the screen so you know how to grow in beauty. Because remember, this is about forever. I want each one of you to shine. I want the believers from Lake Travis to be like, why are they so bright there? All of them, they're all so bright. It's because they believed the word of God. They were part of a community who did this together. I want us all to grow in beauty together. This isn't a competition. This is a family. We want our family to succeed. I want my kids to shine brighter forever than me. I really do. I want my wife to shine brighter. That's what a family does. Today in this message, I gave us a list of four things, two lists of four things. The first list of four was the four benefits to growing in the knowledge and experience of God's beautiful opinion of us. We avail ourselves of those four benefits by meditating. How do we do it? By meditating on the biblical descriptions of how God sees us and calls us beautiful and pleasing to him. The four benefits will be up on the screen right there. Our deepest desire is met. We get boldness to run to God in our weakness. We get increased ability to fulfill the second commandment to love others as we love ourselves. And fourth, we get increased ability to walk in true humility. Now, if you want to grow in these four things, or if you want these benefits, 
I'm gonna have Pastor Nate and my dad up at the front with 40 different scriptures that the Lord laid on my heart about what God says about how beautiful we are. There's 40, there's eight full pages of scriptures that you can meditate on that's gonna pump you full of healthy, God-inspired self-worth. You get to open your mouth and drink of the river of his pleasure by meditating on these black, this uh, black ink on white paper. It actually changes your heart, it really does. So that's the first step, is during the worship song, I invite you to come up. My, my dad and Pastor Nate will be up at the front here. Just grab a packet. If you don't wanna grab a, a physical hard copy, we'll have a QR code for a digital copy of those, to meditate on those scriptures, because that's how we avail ourselves of the four benefits. It's by looking at the scriptures, praying them, talking to God about them. And then the second list of four, we just went over it. It's the ways that we grow in beauty. Remember, for those of us who said yes to Jesus, God's level of love and acceptance never changes. But as we grow, we can increase his enjoyment of us. We can delight his heart more by growing in what he defines as true beauty. We can bring him more pleasure by living a life of deeper obedience. The four ways we just went over are this. We gotta grow in humility and holiness, purity. We gotta look at God more through prayer, worship, the Bible, and communion. We gotta share our faith. That makes our feet beautiful. And fourth, we gotta choose a lifestyle of fasting. Now by a show of hands, if you go back to the first list of four, if, if there's just one up here, the first list of four, if you could put up there, if there's just one up here that you wanna grow in, I invite you to raise your hand if you want that deepest desire met, if you want boldness to run to God in your weakness, if you want increased ability, just raise your hand. You're not raising it to me, you're raising it to God to say, help me. See how you see me so I can get these four benefits on my account. I want all of them. I want to increase in all of them. So you're just reaching up to God. That's saying, I want these. So we're going to sing now. Remember, as we sing, come and grab the packet, and then we'll close officially. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.